this Thursday night, October 13th, the year of our Lord, 2022, brought to you proudly by Academy Sports and Outdoors. The impossible starting to seem more and more possible every week as this sport dives deeper and deeper into the 2022 version of itself. We are jam-packed high atop a rambunctious downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Week 7 upset alert. It, it's become a Thursday staple, and it makes us look both genius and dumb every week around this time. So why not continue that sterling tradition that we started around here? Also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably take part in another ill-conceived plan tonight to reassess and re-predict the conference championship races because we have a mailbag tonight. And one of you asked, hey, it's midseason. How would you predict the conferences if you hit the reset button today? And I'm going to cling to some of my predictions way longer than I should, and irresponsibly so. We're going to do that tonight. As I said, we got tons of Q&A. Uh, a ton of you want to know, can Texas make the playoff? A whole bunch of you want to know. Look how, look how uneven the mic is. All right, we fixed that. Uh, some of you want to know, can a conference have three teams in the playoffs? So we're going to address a lot of that because we had like 50 questions about that stuff tonight. Also, we're adding best bets on the Ramen Noodle Express. Hopefully another hot week. And hey, I'm going to address a rumor in just a second, probably like 30 seconds from now. They're watching us Atlanta, Georgia. Stephen, happy birthday, sir. I did see your text this morning. They're watching us in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I have it on good authority that at least one fine citizen in the city of brotherly love named Wesley has a wedding scheduled in the fall, usually a no-no around here. But what did Wesley do? He had the good sense to not hold it on a Saturday. Thank you, Wesley, from all of us to you. Joplin, Missouri tuned in. Grand Island, Nebraska tuned in. Need to hit a rumor right quick. Um, rumors is my favorite album of all time. Bradley's too. Fleetwood Mac, 1977. Rumors, great album. Rumors, when they float around the Twitter sphere about you, are not good. So, you know, there's a rumor that we hung out with management last night. In just a second, I'm going to snap my fingers and direct Colin is going to dispel part of the rumor. It is true that producer Jesse and director Colin and myself, we were summoned to the home of management last night. So we went, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But Colin, let's clear it up. This was the dynamic there. Okay, we got the Atlanta Braves and Philadelphia Phillies locked in game two of the National League Division Series. There's management way over there and there's me all the way over here. This was a classic we're here so we don't get fined kind of vibe. And director Colin somewhere, Jesse's face naturally is blocked out because you may or may not think he's real. This is what really happened last night south of the greater downtown Nashville area. So it is true that the three of us were summoned to management's home. And it is true that we took part in some of the festivities. Meat was a little undercooked for my taste. But all in all, a good time was had. It was just a good time on our terms. That was the real dynamic. And if you're listening on podcast, I really can't explain much to you. You just have to tune into the YouTube feed and check it out. Uh, by the way, as we dive into bold predictions and we dive into some upset alerts, make sure you're following on Instagram and Twitter this weekend at Late Kick Josh. I don't want you to miss Friday Night Lines tomorrow night live from Knoxville. I don't want you to miss all the access we're going to have for you. We're going to be on the field Saturday. They're paying like $2,000 for seats. We're going to be on the field. And uh, someone tells me we're going to make a few dimes to do that. So it's going to be fun. Going to get you a lot of looks at things you otherwise wouldn't get to see in that Instagram story. All right, let's talk about the U-word. Upset alerts. Thank you for being tuned in, by the way, if you're watching live. 
Some games are on your radar. Some games maybe not on your radar, but I'm about to put them on your radar. So every Thursday night around this time, we just go simple scale of 1 to 10. We name some of these games. How worried am I for the favorite? How pegged should that upset alert meter be? First game on the upset alert meter. I don't think anyone has talked about it all week. It is Iowa State at Texas. Texas most recently famous for winning some big games. Texas most recently famous for getting Quinn Ewers back. And now they're favored by over two touchdowns. They are favored by 16 points at home against Iowa State. This one's off your radar, and it should be. Iowa State's already got multiple losses, so for all intents and purposes, they're out of the Big 12 championship race. You've got big praise rolling in for Texas this week. They're off the Oklahoma win. They've got Oklahoma State coming up next week. And for the first time, you can feel it, even in the JP poll, we can feel it. People are starting to take them serious on the national scene. And we're going to talk later in the show about what they're capable of this year. But listen, we're so, we're so into Texas, we changed the color of the mysterious drink in the chalice. Some say it's Tennessee orange. Some say it's Texas orange. I just say it's what they had left over at Publix. But I digress. Texas is red hot right now. Iowa State, on the other hand, ice cold. Iowa State, I have it on good authority, due in large part to a tweet put out earlier today by our buddy Parker at Stats of War. Iowa State's got nine losses since 2000. Only two of them have been by double digits. So they just don't lose by double digits very often. And we're asking them to lose by 17 here if Texas is going to cover. But this is about outright upsets, okay? I think that there are some scenarios out there where Iowa State hangs around kind of a sleepy game and they, they compress it and they hold the ball like it's theirs to own. And Texas ends up winning, but they don't win comfortably. And then all of a sudden, people talk about Quinn Ewers coming back down to earth. I, I could see that. What I don't think is going to happen is the outright upset. I'm going to put a five on this, mainly because I want Texas to be paying attention. But I don't foresee myself checking the eye, Josh, in Neyland Stadium Saturday and saying, oh my goodness, look at this. Look, there's five minutes to go in this game. Iowa State's got a three-point lead. That I can't feel. Doesn't mean it wouldn't happen. I just can't feel it. So I'm going to put that one at a five. You know what? Let's downgrade it. Let's put it at a four. Four and a half. Let's split the difference. Let's go to Bama, Tennessee. We already did the game prediction. If you want the full game prediction, that's on the YouTube channel. This is where the Every Given Saturday Tour will be beyond ecstatically excited to be at this game when it finally means what it used to mean. So we are, we are headed out here early in the morning, and we are going to beat the traffic as best we can by 24 hours. This one's going to be really, really fun. All right, we're talking about upsets. I picked Tennessee to win this game outright. So obviously, from the Alabama standpoint, yes, this is like an 8 or a 9 on the upset alert meter. It's certainly in play. Bama's favored by seven right now. What do you have to deal with? You got an excellent passer in Hendon Hooker. I was listening to Nick Saban talk earlier today. He started to talk about the key for his team being the same key we've spoken about all week on this show. I've done like 437 radio hits all across the country, and I've mentioned that same word, balance, but not statistical balance. I simply mean what I think Nick Saban means. Maybe he watched the show. I don't know what he does in his free time. But what I mean by balance and what I think Saban means is they've got to be convinced that we can throw the ball on our terms. Throw the ball whenever we want to. Be willing to throw the ball whenever we want to. If Tennessee believes that, then 
Bama's going to put up a really big number on them. It does not shock me if Alabama scores 50 points on Tennessee Saturday if they can strike that kind of balance. It's a huge if, obviously, because of the health status and really no one knowing, including your boy here. Okay, let me be clear for my friends over on BOL. No one, including me, knows the true status of Bryce Young, at least people who are going to talk. So if we get healthy Bryce Young, that's a totally different story. If we don't get a fully healthy Bryce Young and they can't fully open up that playbook, then all of a sudden that balance starts to come into question because then Tennessee can key on the run a little bit more. We went over that. You want to see it, watch the preview video. The environment, I think, will be incredible. It is semantics when we start arguing whether Bama has or hasn't seen anything like this. It is my humble opinion that everybody on that Bama roster, sure, they've been in incredible environments. I think this will be the most incredible. Not by 10 miles, but the most incredible that they've experienced. So you got all that and you got the questions with Bryce. I'm simply saying yes. 15 in a row, I've watched every single one of them. I think this is as close on the upset alert meter as we've ever been to a 10. I'm going to put it at an 8. That's the upset alert meter. There's a game in Norman, Oklahoma this Saturday featuring, obviously, the Oklahoma Sooners. They are hosting Kansas. A lot of you are looking at this point spread saying, hold up, what? Who died? How is this at 9? And it is true that Jalen Daniels will not play quarterback Saturday for Kansas, but even then, Jason Bean, you have seen play. Uh, it is the opinion of mine and a lot of people who have actually watched Kansas football this year that there's not this steep drop-off at the quarterback position. Sure, you want your starter in there, uh, but this is not a situation where Lance Leipold all of a sudden breaks glass and hits a red button and they just have to start running triple option because they don't have a guy who can throw the forward pass. They've got an adequate backup quarterback. Oklahoma is lifeless. They haven't been losing games. They have been lifeless. They haven't even started to play the games. They got run by TCU. They got run by Texas. And they're favored by over a touchdown against a team that has shown a ton of life. And I think since Kansas lost last week, I think people just assume, okay, all right, now they'll go back to being Kansas. And I don't know that. I think this should be a nine and a half on the upset alert meter. If I get inspired play this week, or forget that, if I just even get play this week out of Oklahoma, sure, sure, they should win the game. But there's a huge difference in talent roster discrepancy versus team discrepancy. I mean, it doesn't really matter what your talent roster is if it doesn't come to play. I mean, then in the most literal of terms, Oklahoma has not come to play, period. Uh, that's, that's a pejorative that people sometimes use when their teams lose. Ah, oh, we just didn't show up. But normally it's just that you got beat. Oklahoma quite literally has not shown up to games. Does that just fix itself because it's Kansas coming into town? That in and of itself doesn't mean what it once meant. Kansas coming into town. That's like when people in the South say, well, we got Vandy this week. And then as if to say, oh, we can just look, we can just look over Vandy. That's a win. Kansas is not, Kansas is not, we got Kansas and. No, you got Kansas this week. And for some reason, Oklahoma's favored by nine. Now, the model likes Kansas. We'll see. Tune into Friday Night Lines. I'm not adding them tonight as a best bet, but I'm saying this is a solid nine or a nine and a half on the upset alert meter. Like th this, it would, it would shock me, to be blunt, if I were to see Oklahoma run away with this game. Now, actually, it wouldn't shock me to see Oklahoma lose outright. I'm just saying I don't, I don't, I don't think that line should be that fat. So we'll address that on Friday Night Lines, but I'm putting this at a nine or a nine and a half on the upset alert scale. Auburn at Ole Miss. You may not be watching this game Saturday. Don't worry. I'll watch it for you, or at least I'll watch the replay. However, 
there may be some more going on here than you realize. Couple of things. One, I think you do have a pretty good pulse on. Brian Harson is unlikely to be retained as the Auburn head coach. Now, what no one knows, emphasize no one, even the person who's going to make the decision, whomstever that is on the Plains, knows whether this is the final week. Yeah, does, does he have to lose by X number of points? Is it going to be next week? Is it going to be the bye week? Which is just a dumb conversation, but it's one that's being had. So regardless of when it happens, we don't think Brian Harson's going to be retained. Now, the follow-up to that is, how does it impact the team's play on the field? Because they got, they got beat pretty soundly last week against Georgia, but that's Georgia. And Georgia was in a strong bounce-back spot because they got embarrassed, even in a win, the week before against Missouri. So it's understandable. Georgia's beaten many a team soundly in Athens, many an Auburn team soundly in Athens. Second straight road game for Auburn. Can they go into Ole Miss as a little more than a two-touchdown underdog, about 15-point underdog? Could they actually pull an upset here? It's one thing to cover. It's another thing to pull the outright upset. And the reason I have such a hard time believing it it's because there's a chance this Auburn team's in freefall mode. I don't know, but it's a term we use around here because we don't like using really advanced statistical terminology, mainly because we don't understand it. But the freefall mode is when the bottom has totally fallen out for a team. At that point, no set of statistical data and analysis matters because that team is no longer that team. So there is no bottom of their barrel. Conversely, sometimes a team can be in ascension mode and there's no ceiling on how good they can be. And we like to shy away from both of those types of teams because it's very hard to get an accurate gauge on them from a predictability and modeling standpoint. Well, in this game, Auburn could be on the short end of that stick. Auburn could be in free fall mode. If they are, Ole Miss could win 38 to three. But if they're not, and this is just played heads up, Ole Miss could win this thing 30 to 20. Uh, there, there's a 27 to 16 final somewhere in the cars. There are a lot of different combinations of scores here that sees Ole Miss win, maybe even comfortably, because Auburn has a tough time scoring, but Auburn's still covering. The model, for the record, has Ole Miss winning by 11. But that's the model telling you it expects Auburn to be Auburn without the whole risk of freefall mode. I'm going to put the upset alert at a 3.5. Even if this is tight, I mean, the opportunity, or opportunities, for Ole Miss to just put one on the board late and Auburn's inability to run away from anyone, even if they grab a lead, it just doesn't make sense for me to really expect an upset alert here. Now, it is a noon Eastern time kickoff, 11 a.m. local there. There's not nearly as much hype behind this one as the Kentucky game. So I don't think crowd is going to be what wins this for Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss needs crowd to win it. Here's the other thing I'm talking about. There's a story I'll be able to tell you probably after this season, if you'll remind me, about the Ole Miss-Kentucky game. I got to save that for a, a cold day, not necessarily a rainy day, but a cold day in January or February. In the meantime, there's, there's some thinking out there that Lane Kiffin may be looking around. It doesn't help when he tweets out pictures on his own Twitter account of him standing in a hallway minutes before he gave his farewell press conference at Tennessee. It doesn't help, I'm just saying. And so, you know, since he put that kind of stuff out there, I'll tell you, I think Lane Kiffin would take the Auburn job tomorrow if he could get the Auburn job. I don't know if he's ever gonna be offered the Auburn job, but I'll tell you what greatly helps. When you get Auburn to come in your backyard and you get the opportunity to embarrass him and you know the other guy's probably on his way out, if you get that opportunity 
and you are so inclined, if you're looking for any kind of situational, motivational edges and dynamics, there's one for you. Let's move on. Mississippi State at Kentucky. Kentucky loses one game and all of a sudden, poof, they're off everyone's radar. Well, not necessarily, because Will Levis is back this week, and that line, in turn, has come down from Mississippi State favored by seven. You heard that right. The Bulldogs were favored by seven in Lexington, all the way down to four. And, and that's about how Vegas values Will Levis. The model loves this number. Our model has this dead on the money. It has Mississippi State winning by four. So obviously I don't have a lean on the point spread here, but I'm going to put the upset alert at an eight because this is already supposed to be a close game. So it wouldn't even really be that big an upset, but it's that classic sort of meeting in the middle of one team being due up and another team being due down. I mean, Mississippi State is off back-to-back -back wins over A&M and Arkansas. You had the backup quarterback situations there. And they were at home for both of those games. Does anyone in the crowd out there remember the last time we saw the Bulldogs go on the road? Because I do. And they were at LSU, and they woefully underachieved relative to reasonable expectation, including mine. They lost 31-16. to Not a great LSU team. They lost. Well, now, first time since then, we see them go back out on the road, and they're favored. They're favored in Lexington. Conversely, Kentucky's off back-to-back -back losses. Really desperate times now for Mark Stoops and the Cats. They get their quarterback back. They're at home, back against the wall. You got a team due down off of two good wins at home, but they're in an environment now on the road, and the last time we saw them there, they lost to LSU. It sounds like I'm trying to talk myself into taking Kentucky, and I'm really close to doing it, but the model is built to override my gut. So gut says Kentucky, but then again, I say Mississippi State's the most underrated team in the country, and the model says, walk away, friend, walk away, leave it alone. I'm just saying this is an eight on the upset alert meter because the spread is four, so why wouldn't it be an eight? When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Academy Sports and Outdoors is our exclusive partner. You're watching this show right now. Maybe you're listening to this show right now. Whatever you're doing, unless you have been scammed, you're watching or listening for free. And the reason is because of our partners at Academy Sports and Outdoors. But as I often say, this is not some latex factory that just happens to be deep pocketed and they needed a tax write-off so they sponsor us. These folks have tons of stuff that you'll love, tons of stuff that you need. And so if it was a latex factory, I'd just say, thanks, Academy Latex. See you next show. This is Academy Sports and Outdoors, your one-stop shop for all of your outdoor sporting goods needs and beyond. We, and by we, I mean several people in the building, were at a cookout last night. Uh, the good news is there were a lot of products there. Everything from the fold-out chairs to the seasoning on the steaks, etc. The very grill that we cooked that meat on could have very well been purchased at Academy. I have it on good authority that some of it was purchased at Academy because I, being the good person I am, may have slipped an Academy gift card or two to somebody who was at that house. Academy Sports and Outdoors is either in your neighborhood already, coming to your neighborhood soon, 
or is available via academy.com. And so if you appreciate, number one, good products, and number two, if you appreciate the fact that this show is free, pay a visit to our friends at Academy Sports and Outdoors. These are really good people. These are not people who you don't hear from. You know, they don't make us deal with middlemen or middlewomen. I talk directly to these folks. They're huge fans of the show. They're huge fans of college football. They are what Meemaw would call real ones. And so if you want to support the show and you want to support real ones and you want to get some good stuff in your life, don't care if it's a grill or a baseball bat, Academy Sports and Outdoors or Academy.com. Speaking of LSU, I mentioned LSU a couple of minutes ago. Before we dive into the mailbag, one of you asked me today, hey, where's the LSU Florida preview? So I'm not going to do a full 10-minute preview on this, but I did want to touch on it because these are two of our biggest viewer bases. So LSU is at Florida. I look forward to the day, by the way, and I think it's coming, when this game gets its luster back, gets the national spotlight rightly shown on it again. This is a 7 o'clock game. It's ESPN. And by the way, how about you Florida season ticket holders? This is what you had the Utah game, primetime game. You had, who else went down there? Kentucky, primetime game. This is their third pretty high-profile primetime game already, and some folks don't get that all year. So hats off. I don't know what you guys are doing, but you're doing it right. I'm hopeful that one day, you know, this is right back in the national spotlight. This is a critical game. I know it doesn't have playoff ramifications on it, but if the casuals can plug their ears for a second, the remainder around here, I think we get that there's a big difference in heading into the back half of October 5-2 and two versus 4-3. and three. Both of these teams are 4-2 and two right now. LSU, for those keeping track, LSU seeking a, the first four-game win streak versus Florida since 1977 through 1980. And who can forget that stretch for the Bayou Bengals? I have no clue what to do with this Tennessee game last week. LSU got drug at home by Tennessee, famously. And I don't really know what to do with it. Certainly, we want to use all the information available at our fingertips to make the most accurate prediction possible, right? Christopher Walken said in Wedding Crashers, we have no way of knowing what the future holds. We just have to do the best we can with the information at hand. Paraphrasing Christopher Walken. How do I process that Tennessee game? I saw the, the muffed kickoff, and then I saw the big kick return or punt return and set up Tennessee in plus territory, and Tennessee just, boom, grabs a two-score lead right out of the gate. And it's not like I didn't see that. It's not like it doesn't count. But if I'm trying to look ahead and ask myself how that stuff translates to this game, I don't know that it matters. I just think that was a very poor showing by LSU. LSU is still capable of plenty more than that. And it is what it is. Maybe Tennessee's just a really good team. But it was such a unique set of circumstances, I tend to kind of remove it. Bake the numbers in, but, but otherwise just kind of remove it. The, the scheduling dynamic, you know, Tennessee was off, LSU was coming off a road game. You know all that. You, you saw the game like I did. So what I do care about here is LSU's been decent on third down. They've been decent. They are 38th in the country. Can they prey on the statistic and the fact that Florida's defense on third down is the worst in the SEC? See, last week, what we were asking about LSU is Tennessee secondary, nothing to write home about. Can Jaden Daniels in the passing game take advantage? And early on, they didn't. The, the passing statistics ended up looking impressive, but it was irrelevant because Tennessee had already pulled away. Uh, well, can you avoid the other guy having a fast start this week? And can you convert on third down? Can we get an 8 or 9 of 14 or 15 type of game? That would be good enough, maybe, to win if some other things fall your way. But on the other side, 
I think the Florida ground game is the most important factor here. Tennessee didn't win last week because they threw the ball all over LSU. They won because they ran the ball all over LSU. Now, you may be right if you say, well, we'll have an easier time defending Florida's ground game because we don't have to respect Richardson's arm quite like we do against Hendon Hooker. That sounds all well and good, but Anthony Richardson can stretch the field with his arm. Now, you can roll the dice that there won't be accuracy behind those throws, and you know what else he can do? We just showed it on B-roll. He can improvise. He can make throws on the run. He can scramble, and when everything else is broken down, make some of the biggest plays that he makes all afternoon. He did that against Tennessee, by the way. So if you want to sell yourself that you don't have to respect his arm just because the completion percentage is in the, you know, the mid-50s, you'd be my guest there. That's how you lose football games. So I think Florida could have a fair amount of success on the ground because of that. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. The Vegas number right now is Florida minus two and a half. Our number's a little bit north of there. It's Florida minus three and a half. Because of the reasons I just mentioned, and because I do think that that ground game is a tick better than whatever the biggest advantage LSU has in this game is, I'm going to take Florida to win and finally snap that streak before it gets out of hand and matches something in the late 70s. So LSU away from home, not a fan here. I'm going to take Florida to win. I'm going to take Florida to cover. There is not a strong lean. The model doesn't have a strong lean on this, as you saw. I, I just think it's two fairly good teams playing each other with hopes that one or two years from now, this game means a lot more on the national scene. All right, let's move on. Let's open up the mailbag. Let me take a sip from the chalice. Very delicious. Um, there, there was a conspiracy before we get in the mailbag. I'm not, not playing around when I tell you this. You know, I got the chalice of supremacy here. And I just, I have, a, you know, whatever the drink of choice is every evening on the show. And it's been orange the past, what would you say, Colin, about the past week and a half. So because we picked Tennessee to win the game, because we broadcast from Nashville, Tennessee, and because the mysterious liquid in the chalice has been orange this week, we were accused of being Tennessee homers. And I was accused of sort of red flagging you. You know, this is supposed to be something like a Where's Waldo, where I wasn't going to mention it, but the viewer was just supposed to pick up on it. This is news to me. I had no clue. That stuff's orange, like I told you, because that's the last color that Publix had when I picked up the Mio Energy shots earlier this week. And they don't sponsor us yet, so I'm not going to mention their name again. But uh, yeah, there's, there's no hidden agenda, at least not that I know of. Now, Whatever Jesse and Colin and production team do behind the scenes, that's their business. But that stuff's orange because it had to be orange. Having said that, we're still taking Tennessee to win and looking forward to Knoxville this week. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag. Some very interesting questions here. We have not done a mailbag in about a week and a half, so you guys were a little bit backlogged. First up from Doc Texas, which four current programs are your personal dream scenario or scenario for the college football playoff this season? Uh, Doc, normally I don't believe in playoff talk before Halloween or Thanksgiving, if I can have my way, but you asked about it. And remember, he said this year, dream scenario for this year, paper pop, because it's very serious stuff. I want Alabama in there. Um, number one, to balance the accusations of homerism this week. So here's some Alabama homerism for you. Roll Tide, we want Bama in there. I don't want the playoff without Alabama, because when we get those, albeit rarely, People always ask the entire spring and summer, hmm, 
would that team have won the title if Bama had been in there? I'm not interested in that conversation, as dumb as it is, and so I want Bama in there. So if you're going to win a title, I want you to go through a playoff that has Bama in it. Also, I have immense amounts of respect for the program. I love when they're there because I like seeing the biggest programs and the most talented programs there. Uh, yes, that does mean that I love the big-time brands. Yes, I do. But I'm about to counter that in just a second. So Nick Saban's the best of all time. I like to see him and Alabama in the playoffs as often as possible. If that's homerism, it's homerism. That's somehow we're Tennessee and Bama homers this week. The next one is USC. I'm not sure. Maybe you do have a grasp on this, but I don't know if you do. I don't know, even people who have been around, I don't care if you're 30 or 50 or 70, it's been a while since USC's been in that conversation. And so I'm not quite sure the world is ready for what it's going to be like if and when USC finally gets back in the playoff. I'd just love to see it happen this season uh, because I think it would be the height of entertainment. And think about the other team I just mentioned, Bama and USC. I don't care if they face off in round one or the national title or whatever. Those are the two Yankee-esque programs in college football. Those are two, and, and USC's not back here yet, but please believe me, children, in the mid-2000s, when USC was rolling and they were really on top of the sport, you could not have found even the most casual of sports fans in America. If they knew anything about college football, you could not have found a single fan who said, USC, eh, no opinion. People either loved them or they hated them. I can assure you, people had an opinion on USC, just like people have an opinion on Bama. No one's indifferent on Bama. They either love them or they hate them. That is great. It's great theater. It's great drama for a playoff. And remember, in the playoff, you're trying to bring those agnostic fans to the table, or at least that's what I'm told. I don't particularly care about this stuff, but I do know it's a business and we need eyeballs. So if you had those precious storylines, I think that would make for a really good playoff dynamic or two. Now, the third one I want in there is Penn State. I think it would put a smile on producer Jesse's face, and he may have had one earlier on the show, but we can't show you his face. Colin, do you have that graphic again? I know it takes a second to pull it up. You know, producer Jesse was already featured on the show tonight because he was at management's house last night, along with me and director Colin. Director Colin had the good sense to stay away from cameras, as he always has. Jesse is lazily over there at the table playing Uno or Domino's, I don't know, uh, so we had to block his face out. Well. I would love to see the block removed from Jesse's face off camera, and I would love to see a big smile on his face. Because if I put Penn State in the playoff, it would be ear to ear. Even if he got nothing for Christmas, ear to ear smile for Jesse. And I also, I would love to see Penn State folks rewarded for their passion, and I would love to see James Franklin get a shot at playing for a national championship. And I got an itchy nose tonight. It has nothing to do with Penn State. And I would love to see that fan base get the opportunity to travel to a semifinal destination like Michigan did last year. I was in Miami for the semifinal game between Michigan and Georgia last year. And there were Michigan folks all over the place. Some of the palest tans on the beach you will ever see in December or January. It's not their fault, it's just where they live. But uh, it, was, it was great, it was a great experience. They got drug in that game. But I guarantee you ask those folks about the week leading up to that game, it was a great experience for them. I'd love to see our friends from the Northeast, from Pennsylvania, be able to experience that. Here's my last one. I want Oklahoma State in the playoff. I want the Big 12 represented. And you thought I may go Texas there. And I'd be fine with Texas, believe me. I'd be fine with Texas in the playoff. But we're a big Mike Gundy show here. I'm a big Mike Gundy fan. 
they're still undefeated. Personally, I think they're going to have a tough time with TCU this week. I think they'll have a tough time with Texas next week. But who cares? Okay, that guy, Mike Gundy there, he's made a living. He's made a career out of pulling upsets when people doubt him. So what if they just keep winning and they make the playoff? They would be a first-time team. They would represent the Big 12. I think it's the most entertaining conference in America. I would get to listen to a couple of weeks of Mike Gundy on a more national stage, a more national microphone. Mike Gundy has sung from the same hymnal as we have on a lot of college football issues as of late. And so I, I would just love, we'd probably be able to get him on the show and we'd have some time to do it. I, you know, my dream, as I told you, I just want to host an hour-long show with Mike Gundy. We may get the opportunity if he made the playoff. Now, I said Bama, I said USC, I said Penn State, and I said Oklahoma State. Notice what we did there. We've got three first-time teams. So three teams there punched their playoff ticket for the first time. That guarantees at least one team in the national championship that's never been to the playoff before. I think that would be entertaining. I'm sure everyone in the comments will agree with every team I just predicted there. Well, not predicted. It's not a prediction. Roanoke, Alabama tuned in tonight. Tallahassee, Florida and St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay, now we get to the really, really juicy Texas question. <sighs> Just follow along, please. Texas Junkie asks, if Texas runs the table and wins the Big 12 championship, do they make the college football playoff? Look at the faces out there. I haven't even begun to give my answer and people are screaming already. So let me read it one more time. They run the table, okay? So Texas is a two-loss team they win the Big 12 championship. Do they make the playoff? Let me first state the obvious. With two losses, there is nothing Texas could do from this point forward that puts their playoff fate in their own hands. That doesn't mean they can't make the playoff, but if they do, several things have to fall their way. Okay, and that's with them going undefeated and win the Big 12 championship. No two-loss team has ever made it. Jesse was telling me earlier today, we've had several two-loss conference champs even. So we've had some one-loss teams that didn't make it, much less all the two-loss teams. So for Texas to do this, they'd have to be the first to ever be able to pull this off. Now, if someone's going to pull it off, candidly, it would be a team in this situation. Because here's what I think I could see. I'm not predicting this, not a prediction, but I could see if Texas were to end up running this schedule, and I'll tell you what, Colin, I told you to wait, but go ahead and throw Texas' schedule up. So to give you an idea of what they have left, they got Iowa State this week. Okay, they got a lineup of ranked teams coming up. In fact, after this week, every remaining team, I have power rated top 25. The AP's got four of them in the top 20. So they go at Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, TCU, at Kansas, and Baylor. So if they were to beat all those teams, they've got an ultra-impressive resume. They've got two early losses. One of them is to Bama by one point without Quinn Ewers most of the game. They lost at Texas Tech without Quinn Ewers. So here's what that would sound like. Follow me here. I don't care if you hate Texas. Follow me here. Let's say the two things happen. The first is chaos, nationwide chaos. And so we don't have that nice, neat pack of undefeated conference champs, because if that happens, this is a moot point. But if we get some chaos and, and we just got maybe one or two locks and then there's just madness behind them, imagine someone on Selection Sunday saying, Texas is the hottest team in the country right now. 
they do have two losses. One of them is to presumably an Alabama team maybe that's in the playoff by one point. They were without their backup or they were without their quarterback. So what we're asking ourselves is how much do we measure the two losses versus the clear team that Texas is now being a different product than they were without their quarterback. Oh, and by the way, in this scenario, there are no clear threes and fours, or maybe there's not a clear four. And Texas has won a conference championship in this scenario. Yes, it's possible. It's an outside shot. And as I said, other stuff has to happen. It doesn't matter if they win every game by 50. Other stuff has to happen for them. But if all that other stuff starts to happen, that's not out of the realm of possibility. But you know what has to take place and it was baked into the question, but what has to take place is just that. They have to win the remainder of their games. And that is a tough stretch. Colin, show me that, that schedule one more time. I know that everyone looks at these games, and in any individual game, Texas will be favored. I think they may be favored the rest of the way. But my goodness, I mean, they've got to play at Oklahoma State next week. Now, I think it's going to freak some people out that Texas, with two losses, is going to be favored in Stillwater, even if Oklahoma State's undefeated. You are what your record says you are. Crowd is going to be freaked out by that. Uh, they go to Kansas State. They do have a bye, though, between Oklahoma State and Kansas State. But TCU playing red-hot football right now at Kansas, Baylor. And I'm, I'm just – that's a tough stretch. Even if they're playing it at maximum efficiency, that's a tough stretch. But if they get through that, they'll have an ultra-impressive resume. They'll be red-hot. Those losses will be in the past. If I were a Texas representative, I would say, hey, maybe we shouldn't have scheduled Bama. Maybe we should have scheduled another FCS opponent. If you just care about our record, to me, personally, I think a one loss or a one-point loss against one of the best teams in the country is actually a feather in our cap with our backup quarterback. But hey, if we are what our record says we are, whatever, I'd make that argument. I, I would turn their logic against them. All right, if that didn't get you fired up, I bet this one will. Mind you, I did not create these questions. What did I just put in the live chat? I put the link in the live chat, my bad. What I was going to do, it was hop in the live chat and ask you to like the video because uh, 413 of you have, but I think we can do way better. So please like the video and subscribe. Second paper pop of the evening. This one is sure to raise eyebrows. Ecstatic Vol asked, what happens if, ten, you know what, I'll give you the scenario in a second. Okay, here's the question. Is there a chance three SEC teams make the playoff? That's the question. My answer is Okay, technically, yes, there's a chance. I do not think there is any path that they, capital T, ever allow this to happen. Now, before we talk specifics, I just want to ask you guys, everyone listening, everyone watching, do you have a fixed opinion on this? I have found that most everyone already does. And you're either in the camp, candidly like I am, which says, they are never letting three teams from the same conference in a four-team playoff. Or you're in the other fixed camp. They're looking for every possible reason to let three SEC teams in that four-team playoff. I, I can promise you the latter is not true. I can't promise you the former is true. I'm just telling you I believe in the former. I believe that that committee would find a way. Even if those three SEC teams were deserving, they would find a way to push someone else in there. Now, you know my approach. My approach is I don't care about conference affiliation past conference championship Saturday. Once we get to the end of the season and the end of conference championship Saturday, your conference affiliation ceases to matter to me. And if I'm filling out a playoff field, this is my own model, if I'm filling out 
the JP playoff field, I'm just taking the four most deserving teams based on my criteria. And my criteria values a conference championship. It does not require a conference championship. By that logic, I could take the Chiefs and the Rams. Let's take the Bills. I could take the Chiefs and the Bills and drop them in the ACC. And before the season starts, you would tell me a maximum of one of them is capable of making the playoff because, well, they're both in the same conference and you have to win a conference championship to make the playoff. Stupid. Two best teams in the country could reside in the same imaginal geographic boundary that we call conferences in any given year. So I'm just about putting the four best in. Sometimes we do it that way, sometimes we don't. But anyway, how does this happen? Now we go back to the scenario. If three SEC teams were to make it into the playoff, as best I can tell, and as best the question was asked, Tennessee would beat Alabama this weekend. Then Tennessee would go to Georgia and lose. And then Bama would beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. So all of them have one loss. Of course, this requires them not losing any other games. So Tennessee beats Bama, Georgia beats Tennessee, Bama beats Georgia. So you got Bama, one loss, SEC champ, they're in, no question asked. Tennessee did not play for the SEC championship in this scenario, but their only loss is to Georgia, who played for the SEC championship. So you could quickly see how that resume test, if it's blind, if it doesn't care what conference you're in, that resume test would really quickly vault all those teams up into consideration. Uh, they would probably all in the AP be ranked top five or top six. I don't know where the committee would have them. That's what would have to happen, okay? Now, as that plays out, you would also need some bumper car type stuff to happen in the Pac-12 to where there's no viable candidate. And ditto in the Big 12, no viable candidate. And probably in the ACC, no viable candidate. Cause I mean, the Big 10 spitting out a playoff team in all likelihood. So I would just be fascinated. You know, if Clemson drops a game somewhere, they don't look like they're going to right now, but if they do drop a game, then they end up winning the ACC. I mean, how would their resume compare to that Tennessee team or that Georgia team? Independent of who the committee would put in, I just wonder how the resume would compare. But here's the other thing that could happen. Not out of the realm of possibility for a team like North Carolina to get in the ACC championship game and just, just trip Clemson up, and then all of a sudden, you're looking around, if you're like me, and you've always claimed that the committee's never going to put three teams from the same conference in, and you're saying, uh, well, I never banked on there being a lack of other options. I guess they do have to put them in. That's the only way that would occur to me. And that is way outside the realm of probability. But of course, it's a non-zero possibility. So we have to mention it. Next question. These are entertaining, if nothing else. Again, appreciate you guys being tuned in. Let's talk some dark horses here. Um, the Daffiest Duck Boy. B-O-I is the spelling on boy. Colin, here's your end point. What three teams do you think are dark horses to make the top 10, maybe make a late push for a New Year's Six Bowl from Hartsville, Tennessee. So I've got three of them. Mississippi State, as I've been on the record many times saying, I think is the most underrated team in the country right now. We've got them top 10. Now the AP has slowly started to come around. I think they got them in the teens somewhere, but they're still underrated. So Mississippi State, look, even if they drop a game here, uh, they've got a stretch coming up where I think they're the better team at the moment. 
than everyone but Bama left on the schedule, I think. So let me take a look. Yes, no, yeah, okay, they got Georgia. I forget about that Georgia game. Here's the thing about the Georgia game. You see that game against Georgia on, on, on what is that, November 12th, and you think, well, there's a loss. Just be careful with that. Look, Georgia will be favored in the game, but be careful with that. Because what you don't see on this graphic is Georgia plays Florida and Tennessee the two weeks before they go to Starkville. See there? There's the graphical proof, courtesy of Director Colin. So Georgia's got Florida right before Halloween, then they got Tennessee, then they go to Mississippi State. There's no bye week in between there. And oh, for good measure, they got a second road game in a row at Kentucky after that. So Mississippi State, could that could be the upset of the year in the SEC. And of course, if they do that, they'd be top 10. But even if they drop the Bama and Georgia game, if that's it, see that LSU loss, man, it, mm, that's got to eat at them. Even then, though, I think that's a top 10 team, or at least they got a chance to be there. The second one is Texas. And Texas, I didn't want to talk about a lot earlier because I was going to hit on them here. Texas has absolutely got a chance because of the stretch they're about to play and because I think even if the committee doesn't end up awarding them a playoff spot, certainly an AP voter is going to look and understand, wow, that's kind of a different team with Quinn Ewers at quarterback, huh? All right, well, let's vault them up to number nine or number eight or number seven. You know, that's not all that irresponsible. And they've got, like we said, I'm not going to reiterate it a whole lot, they've got a really, really healthy back half of their schedule, but yet I think they can win those games. And even if they drop one of those games, you can have like dueling compartmentalized Texas profiles. One of them is just, they are what their record is. And the other one is with Quinn Ewers, without Quinn Ewers. And as long as Quinn Ewers stays healthy, they drop a game, maybe. I'd still look at them and, and maybe AP voters will as a top 10 team. Uh, the third one is Oregon, and Oregon got left for dead for good reason because they looked just like that in week one when they lost to Georgia by like half a hundred points, almost literally half a hundred, and ever since then they've done nothing but win. Look how consistent that is, 41 points, 44 points, 45 points, 49 points. They got UCLA at home next week. Both of those teams are on a bye this week, and after that, they've got Cal, they got Colorado. Washington and Utah have to come to Eugene, and then they head up the road to Corvallis. I think Oregon's going to finish in the top 10. I think it's a really, really good and rapidly improving team, and Bo Nix finally found a home. Who knew it was on the Pacific Coast, but he finally found a home. So those are my three dark horses. I'd be very interested in reading the comments about what you guys think, and give me some dark horses. I mean, we're talking teams not top 10 right now that end up finishing top 10. Uh, let's go with, mm, I can't believe we're going to do this, but I got talked into it. Let's, let's, let's go down this road. Jay asked, as of mid-October, who do you think the Power Five Conference winners will be? Now, obviously, we did our preseason predictions, and we were going through them today, and there, there really aren't many predictions I feel terrible about. Granted, it's only been six weeks. I'm going to shift on a couple of them, but I'm going to cling on a couple more. So in the SEC, Alabama was my preseason prediction. I don't have any reason to back off of that. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to, number one, what happens this weekend, because that will determine whether Bama's got margin for error the rest of the way. So you got Bama, Tennessee this weekend. But independent of that, it'll come down to what happens in Atlanta. And so that's the Alabama pick. That's not changing. I mean, I, it's not like I feel terrible about Bama now. In the Big Ten, 
I'm also going to stick with Ohio State. There's certainly, there's only reason to feel better about that than there was in the preseason. And the Big Ten is also, I think, going to come down to the trio, if you will, of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Now, Michigan, Penn State play each other this weekend. That game prediction available on the channel, by the way. So both of them are a ways behind Ohio State and the current odds to win the Big Ten championship. But yeah, Ohio State, until further notice, the definitive favorite to win the conference there. Let's look at the ACC. Because this is the one where I was really hesitant in the preseason before picking Clemson. And now you got to feel great about that. I don't know anyone out there, if they were asked to reassess, like I was just asked to do, that would be off of Clemson. Now, so a lot of them would be on them, but I don't think anyone's hopping off that Clemson train right now. So I take the Tigers. They're a minus 300 favorite to win the ACC. The next closest, North Carolina at plus 600. Let's go to the Pac-12. This is where I have to alter course a little bit, but it's not going to make a lot of sense, so hear me out. Utah was my preseason favorite to win the conference out there. Utah's got one conference loss right now. They just got it. It was at UCLA. They host USC this weekend. I picked Utah to beat USC. I am changing my pick in the Pac-12 to USC. And the reason is because even if the Trojans lose this weekend, the path for Utah is still pretty treacherous. They still have to go to Oregon. USC does not. And so I think Southern Cal, even if they incur a loss this week, I still like their path better. And also, by the time they get to the conference championship game, I think they'll be humming as best they can hum, I guess is the best way I can put it. So USC, I will change the pick there. Um, of course, we can't do this in real life. So theoretically, if I were going to change my pick, it would be to USC. And lastly, in the Big 12. Now, this is where it gets irresponsible and even dangerous. I could change the pick to TCU. I really could. I could go with Oklahoma State. Sure. I could even ride Texas. Kansas State, for that matter. But why do that when I can go with Baylor, the team that I chose in the preseason? And you know what would be a really fun exercise, actually? Um, I, told, I told Jesse what made this so dangerous is even as we're on air, Baylor and West Virginia are playing in a conference game. Baylor is currently up 24-17 at halftime. If they lose tonight, so help me, I will have Colin jettison this entire portion of this segment from the morning VOD that we put on YouTube. But I'm going to stick with Baylor. I still have confidence in Dave Aranda and company. Uh, they've got a tough stretch coming up, as does everyone in the Big 12, and I'm sticking with Baylor. So Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, USC, Baylor, what could possibly go wrong? Next question, please. Very important question here. Spencer Smith asks, how do I cope with being at a wedding this weekend? Spencer, you got one person to blame. It's not the bride. It's not the groom. It is, as our friend Michael Jackson once famously said, the man in the mirror. All of us have dealt with this. Much like chicken pox, fall Saturday weddings have impacted us all. It's up to us to determine how we treat them. And I found the perfect solution, and that is to just work Saturdays in the fall. I mean, one of the many blessings of this job is, sure, we get to hang out and talk football all day. Sure, we get paid to go stand on the sideline at the biggest games in the country. Sure, we get to eat really good food. But the real big blessing is when someone sends me that fall wedding invitation, I get to smile, look them in the eye and say, I wish I could. I really wish I could, but got to work, you know? 
Gotta work. No bye week here. Gotta work. Hate it for you. Hate it for you. I'll be there next time. And statistically, let's be real, for a lot of you, there will be a next time. I still won't be there, but there will be a next time. Spencer, I don't know what more to tell you. It's, it's, it is your fault, but it's not your fault. And I hope I haven't been unclear there. These people are not going to stop. These people are not going to relent. Okay? We are vessels in a sea of casualty. And we are on an ocean of people that really think this is no big deal. These are the kinds of people who would look you in the eye and say, hold on, you tell me a football game is more important than our friendship? Hold on, you tell me a football game is more important than our wedding? Hey, to the second question, let me give a wholehearted definitive yes. Football is more important than your wedding. Not your marriage, not your love, not your relationship, but your wedding is totally inconsequential to me. Especially as it relates to you know, whether Kansas is going to pull off the upset against Oklahoma. I care about that stuff. Okay, that will impact me a lot more readily than, what, you saying I do? There's no upset there. There's no entertainment there. It's going to happen whether I'm there or not. And so too will football. But I'm a little more invested in football than I am your wedding. Not your marriage, your wedding. I think some of the biggest heroes are the Friday wedding warriors. Wesley in Philadelphia, for example, this weekend. Um, you know, the, the, the ladies amongst us, the ladies of Pate State, that more than are willing to bite the bullet and go spring wedding. Like, who looks at a spring wedding and says, ooh, birds chirping, flowers blooming, ooh, who wants that? Give me cold, give me wind, give me, give me nasty looking gray skies, give me fall. Ugh, no. Um, we need more of that and less of the former. So, Spencer, I don't know what you've gotten yourself into. I pity you, I pray for you, and, and really our nation, because we're at a crossroads. And I'm not running in 2024, and I don't know what I'm going to do in 2028. So look, there is going to be no executive order passed down against this foolishness. In the meantime, you just got to choose your friends more wisely, or you've got to lay it down on them, and you got to let them know, much like I do about celebrating my birthday. It's a non-starter. We don't do it. Don't invite me to this stuff. I, I, will, I will send you whatever I can afford to send you, but don't invite me to this stuff. I'm sorry. Bruce Hornsby. That's just the way it is. Third paper pop. Ramen Noodle Express time. I'm adding another game here, uh, fresh off the presses. So let me remind you the games we're on so far. Georgia Southern plus 10.5. Western Kentucky minus 6.5. NC State plus 3.5. Fresno plus 8.5. And, and we're going under 52.5. Penn State and Michigan. We are also happily adding South Florida plus 12. There are the Bulls. They are hosting Tulane, for those of you who care about such things. There are like five more games where I'm waiting on line movement, so I'm not giving them out right now. Friday Night Lines, it is imperative that you're watching, at Late Kick Josh. That will be live on Instagram. We'll be in Knoxville tomorrow night doing that from somewhere. Confirmed, somewhere. So make sure you're tuned in for that. And we're going to have a ton of great content on the Instagram and all the social feeds at Late Kick Josh all weekend. Appreciate you guys being tuned in. Make sure on your way out, you like the video and subscribe to the channel or the podcast if you're listening on the podcast. Those subs, we love them. Management loves them. We love them, everyone. For Director Colin, Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Bates. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll be back here same time Sunday night. Until then, take care. God bless you.